0: What's up, bro? We're back for another episode.
1: Yeah, buddy.
0: Fun times at the El Real.
1: The what? I don't know. <laughs> the El Real? El Real. El Real? Yeah. Like El Reality?
0: Her reality sucks.
1: What is El Real? I don't know. Just <laughs> you just made that up.
0: shit up? Yeah. That's <laughs>
1: I'm a wordsmith. No, no. no. <laughs> Coxman, not wordsmith. Do, do you remember when we were at that party and those, uh, those two people were saying that? They were calling themselves wordsmiths?
0: Which one was that? That
1: was at um, Chris's party. At that birthday party. You were there for that, right?
2: Yeah, I didn't hear that, though. Oh,
0: dude, can we talk for a second about what I what I, what I experienced at that party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold
1: on a second, though, because we got our guest today is uh, my friend Megan, um, who worked with me at the Pedicab Company.
2: El Royale. Yeah, El Royale. There
1: you go. Not El Real, but El Royale. Royal Bike Taxi. Out here repping. Go get yourself a haunted tour. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Do you still do the bike taxiing?
2: occasionally whenever we have events and we did a, a big ride in south carolina at yeah i saw the pictures the from Hall that bluff. Yeah. yeah that was, was very fun. Fancy.
1: that was cool i'm looking forward to doing more events like that yeah just, my I, knee gets better again so yeah we were a at a party part for of- our manager <laughs> so
0: let me ask you a question are you thinking about the event that i'm thinking about or are you thinking about when
1: i got molested
2: Molested. Uh, I I
1: was thinking that you were going to talk about when you got molested at the party. I was going to set the setting of the party because we were well, at. See, that's the thing. It was.
0: I wasn't going to talk about the molested part, but we can talk about that okay, too. Okay. Well, I, I mean, saying. you brought it up <laughs> no, on gonna, all fronts. You yeah. brought up all this stuff. Well, so, I, just, I, mean, I know. Just, I'm about just to shut, to shut up for a second and let me lead, lead in. into it. Okay. You ever seen him blush? It's going to
1: happen. Watch. Okay. So, <laughs> anyways. We, uh, went to a party for our manager's, uh, it was his girlfriend's birthday and also like a housewarming party. Um, so I knew probably about half the people there. Um, I brought Stacy and Megan was one of the people who was invited from the bike company, Mm -hmm. um, as well as some of Chris's girlfriend's friends. And so, of course, I took Stacy and our guest from last week, Duncan, um with a little hesitance because they can be a little brash around those types of crowds so anyway so let's let's go ahead and hear your side of the story of what happened at this party well
0: the first thing that happened at the party was i went inside to go to the bathroom i had drunk a couple of beers and i went inside and everybody was you know i took a pee and everybody was standing around talking i was chilling for a second i was like oh, okay this is a cool vibe and then it, this one female got a little bit louder than the rest of them and had the proclamation of telling everybody that that was the point in her life where she realized she no longer had a, had a gender and she was bisexual only and i walked she the fuck out of she didn't have a gender yeah i just walked out the house cuz i was like yeah i probably don't need to be here right now that
1: sounds like the type of conversation that you would normally be all about like oh, I yo, was definitely you, yo you like chicks too Let's like <laughs> yo i was definitely you know anybody call that girl call her up what's up <laughs> But that see, sounds all you.
0: But see, here's the thing though. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have fit into the vibe she was going for. Yeah, probably not.
1: Because you would have been <laughs> super aggressive about it. And she's probably into dudes that wear earrings that have a feather attached to no, them. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not I
0: wasn't even gonna be like 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 interested I was just going to be like, okay, I really have to hear what else you feel about the rest of life, because this is going to be a fun ride.
1: And instead you ran out of the room.
0: Yeah, because I knew I would have said something eventually that would have got me kicked out of a house that I didn't really know anybody at anyway, so I was yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to go outside now, and just go...
1: And then, so after you went outside, you, <laughs> yeah. you can go ahead and go into the... <laughs> yeah. what, what, as, what happened as, outside? As the
0: party progressed, more more drinks and everything were, were, were being partook, and I was standing there talking shit to Duncan.
1: As you remember, I I was the drunk asshole uh, on the episode from last week. But what you don't know is that (laughs) Duncan had been drinking all fucking weekend. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All day, all night,
0: first thing in the morning. Like, if you go in the bathroom right now, because I haven't emptied that trash can yet. there's There's a fucking Stella bottle in there. He was drinking all day. And I'd been talking shit and just fucking getting him, like, to the point where he couldn't really... He didn't have nothing to say. I was just fucking with him. I'm standing there next to him, and out of nowhere, he just yells out, I've grabbed a whole handful of that motherfucker, and just grabbed everything he could. And I was like, yo, what the f-
1: Okay. And by everything he could, (laughs) we mean Stacy's cock. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I was like, Whoa. Okay, it's
1: time to leave the party. It now. was it was real awkward because it was in full view of everybody of, of the whole outside yeah, seating partition. Yeah, fire going, everything. Just, yeah. just a silhouette of a hand grab my dick. <laughs> no, dude, it wasn't even dark out. It was still daylight. See, yeah. everybody saw that motherfucker. Yeah, he was, um, and he had no shame. You were more ashamed than him. It was, yeah. That was the beautiful part. <laughs> it was that like you were like that? Like you got upset. It was. Amazing. <laughs> he he followed through with it. He yeah. fucking he stuck. He was like, I don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Singer's really. fucking bent over with his head in his hands, snorting because he's laughing so hard. <laughs> everybody else at the party was like, did he just do what? I th-? the singer was like, Yup, he did it! <laughs> <laughs> I gave him all the attention he was looking for. I made sure everybody knew. It's <laughs> like, alright. I still got to drive this drunk motherfucker home. <laughs> Did he try it again on the ride? No, the ride home, he was being a fucking, wow. Duncan, I know you're listening. Uh, wow. Yeah, but that's, that's what I told you he <laughs> was driving home. He was in the passenger seat, and he was like, I had, like, fucking Wu-Tang Clan on or something, jamming out, driving home with the windows down, and he was like, yo, I want to hear Post Malone better now. Mm. And I was like no we're listening to Wu-Tang why are you having an issue right now what the fuck's going on I went, like started reaching for the phone and like how do I do this and I was like dude just 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 sit in the pastor's seat let me drive us home before I fucking kill us all right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh and the, the music was still going and he just started singing better now really loud by himself over the top <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it's M A T H O D, and he's everything is better now. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, okay.
1: So after our stories of drunken idiocy and uh, last week's man legendary episode, I got I probably got to say that I feel like oh. um we're gonna be on the topic of addiction today. Right, that's mm-hmm. what is that what we're talking about? Yeah.
2: All right. Good
1: old so. addiction. Fun times. Um at El Real. I mean, I'm pretty sure me and Stacy have talked about our numerous uh, loves for substances, past and present. I just keep thinking about uh, that.
0: I need drugs. Music video. <laughs> I need drugs. <laughs> have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. Oh, seen it's awesome. I'll show it to you they probably be loud. That's an old Necro Mm -hmm. song. Necro, Necro, Necro. What?
1: The dude, the artist, his name's Necro.
0: Oh.
2: Necro.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Anyways. Go for it.
1: Well, I mean, so Megan came in today, and I mean. I expected her to talk about yoga or meditation because <laughs> she uh, does both of those. We do yoga often together. But, um, you know, she's also, I guess, uh, would you call yourself an expert <laughs> on addiction? I would call myself no. an expert on addiction <laughs> just from first-hand experience Yeah. Along. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll what rock you, where talk you going to start?
2: I'm definitely not an expert in, like, you know.
1: Knowing about it. Yeah. Like, knowing about the psychological side of it.
2: Exactly. I've never gone to school for it or anything like that, although I really want to. I, I did know.
1: a 28-day intensive course on it one time. <laughs> Before they would let you out? What do you call it? It was like it was, a... Uh, uh, rehab? It was just... a... <laughs> It was an alternative learning option. How long yeah.
0: were you there before they let you take the straitjacket off?
1: Oh no, I didn't. I wasn't tied up. It no. was all good. No shoelaces, though. No shoelaces. It was like full. That's good. You went to day down. camp. <laughs> Yeah. No, it was not day camp. It was 24 hours. They checked on you every fucking 15 minutes while you were asleep, everything. Wow. Did that work for you? The, the water literally squirted out of a hole in the wall because they didn't want to put a fucking shower head on there because somebody, gives somebody tried to hang off. themselves from Yeah, I've been,
0: yeah, I've been yeah, it it was, there before. It was intense.
2: Treat you like, that's crazy. Yep. It's, yeah, and that's also something that would have been, you know, hopefully talked about is, like, how do we treat addiction nowadays? Or I guess now it's turning into more alternative options for people, but, you know, for so long it was treated as like you're a crazy person and you need, you know, some serious, like, traumatic help somehow. You know, you weren't looked at as someone who needed, or like a a sick person who really needed care and attention, mm-hmm. you know, so.
0: I think also a lot of people would throw out the argument of the the treatment of addiction of these days because, you know, with, all right, so now we've got the opium epidemic mm-hmm. at this point in time. But people were struggling with opium and, and heroin and all that shit back in the day too, but now it seems like it's gotten a little bit more action because...
1: Twenty four seven news cycle.
0: Twenty four seven news cycle, and depending on what community you come from, it would they would say, "Hey, it's because white folks are getting it now."
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's also moving into these more rural areas where it wasn't before. Yeah, heroin's fucking on, and, and pills and things. Well, yeah, it's the the real. I think because you know it starts with the pills. And that shit's not, well, wasn't that hard to get. They were pushing it. Literally, the state of Georgia is suing pharmaceutical companies who pushed opium or opium-based products on, you know, uh, people saying that addiction was, that opiate addiction was like a mental thing. Literally, um, these pharmaceutical companies were telling doctors this and doctors Mm -hmm. were pushing this. Yep. Which is just insanity when you think about the number of heroin addicts and it's capitalism, and opium addicts, yeah, but you don't think that it can it's it seems insane that it can override basic logic in that way. Well, I mean, or could... just to the detrimental effect of millions of Americans. Right. you know what I mean. Yeah.
2: And now look at how many people are addicted to those methadone.
0: pills. Yeah. And one of the other fucking major... Suboxone. The major things that people are pissed off about is, you know, the same manufacturer who makes fucking fentanyl and all these other hardcore pills, guess what they also make? They make the shit that you need to wean off all of their yeah, Narcan. Yeah, the Narcan or
1: Suboxone or methadone. That's
0: and it's shitty. But anyway, so...
2: Yeah.
0: I know I've had, like we said, we've, we've discussed several times of our own bouts. What, if, what are some of the things that you've you faced?
2: Mine was alcohol. You know? And I think it's really fascinating to me now, you know, how a, what seems to be a healthy person or a healthy brain mental state is fine you know for the most part how you can go from that to all of a sudden like into a substance that completely takes over your mental state and your psychology is completely different now you know and there's something that you're obsessed with and that's what I'm fascinated with, is the mm-hmm. psychology behind it. Like, it's not, it, I'm, you know, I'm sure with some drugs it is like a chemical, something that really takes over your brain. But I think that alcohol abuse and drug addicts, it's a psychological issue that was never really dealt with properly for your entire life. And well, somehow. at the same time, nobody's
0: ever made a quilt for us, or nobody's ever had a five k or something like that. Nothing major, you know. That we we have the understanding now of things being on a complete spectrum for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but when right. it comes to mental health and all that other shit, it's still that it doesn't apply yet, and I don't know why it doesn't.
1: It's oh well, I mean, drug use is treated as a moral issue, yeah. as opposed to like uh, an an um, actual health issue.
2: Right.
0: So why would they call it mental health?
1: I mean, for a long time, I don't I think that mental health and drug addiction were treated separately. Okay. I think I mean even, even now, it's rarely that you have the two. I mean, you see drug therapists now like drug addiction therapists that specialize in specifically talking to people who are addicted to drugs and trying to wound them off of them so i mean it's it's gotten better you know probably in recent modern history but for a long time that they were you know in in that um that what do you call it That negative stereotype still exists in most people's mind unless they have close interaction with an addict. Um, Right. And I mean, even people who have, you know, I mean, lots of people give up on addicts, which is a hard thing to do. It's sometimes you have to do it. And sometimes, you know, that's what that person needs is for you to be there for them. Sometimes they need you to not be there for them. You can't be in an enabler. But you can't... Uh, but you have to be there when they need you. It's a strange... Line to toe.
2: Yeah. I think when it really... Like... The origin of it... Literally can come from... You know... Your infant stages. Um... And what we're being told all of our life as well, you know, if you want to be a good person, you ought to do this and that. If you want to be a good son, you ought to love your parents and you ought to, you know, do exactly what they say sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a strong kid, you don't cry, you know, you don't do any of that. So we wear these masks all the time. Basically, you know, not showing how it is that we truly feel or whatever.
0: But see, also, I think there's a, there's a, I think there's still like a middle, middle of the road to that as well, because I mean, no matter which side of the spectrum you stand on right now, as far as showing emotions, not showing emotions, not feeling, there's still a subgroup for, for hatred for your group. You know, whether you're over overly emotional and share too much or you box everything in and don't talk about this or, you know, it's just, I think it's, with with, with the way life is right now with hardcore spectrums on either side of the book looking at things, it's it's hard to fucking be a middle of the road person anymore where you can, you know, try to figure out what emotions you can and can't let out. And a lot of people use drugs to do that.
2: mm mm-hmm because it makes them feel good, you know, and like, oh, where would, so why would they need to use these drugs, probably to suppress whatever it is that they've been suppressing without even realizing it, Mm -hmm. and so when these, when these negative things happen in our lives, even as a child, Our natural response is to shove it somewhere in our brain where we don't have to think about it anymore. But it still exists within our brains. Our conscious and our subconscious, or not our, sorry, not our subconscious, our unconscious. Everything that we don't want to think about goes into our unconscious. And so we're walking around with pain like with guilt with shame with whatever depression anger all this stuff that we don't even realize is having an effect on our conscious life so when we find like for me when I started drinking heavily when I feel like the obsession started was because it made me feel like a whole person again for some reason I didn't recognize that at the time. I just knew like I felt much better when I was drinking for some reason. Everything made sense. I had confidence, you know, it was like, I could go out and talk to people at least for a short amount of time, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And everything was fine. And when it wasn't fine anymore, you know, eventually the next day, feel really shitty and once i started feeling better all those shitty feelings were suppressed they went away i felt okay again when i started feeling okay again then the thought of alcohol was like oh yeah i feel good doing that why not Mm -hmm. you know and it was just like this vicious this cycle basically on a daily basis without even realizing it you know so until there was just enough was enough and it was clear that something had to be done or I was just gonna rot away and die, you know.
0: So how long have you been sober?
2: Um July fifteenth of twenty seventeen. So it'll almost three. two years? Yeah, almost two years.
0: Did you so did you did did you make a conscious decision before or after you hit rock bottom? <laughs>
2: I made many conscious decisions (laughs) uh, so many times, but the last decision, I don't think it was, see, I don't know if it was really like a, I don't know, man. Something just really changed and it was a conscious decision that was finally made true, I guess. But it was more of like a Like, a spiritual decision, I guess. Okay. You know? Literally, like... You had already hit rock
1: bottom, (laughs) and it was like you were finally over with it. Like, you didn't have to hit rock bottom that time, but you were, like, finally just over with it. Because you were probably contemplating quitting Mm
2: -hmm.
1: previous to that.
2: Oh, yeah. For a long time. Probably for about half Mm -hmm. of the time that I was really drinking... I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. So what
0: did you switch your addiction to?
2: Caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely addicted to nicotine, you know. Um, But I feel like I have...
1: Which you have switched from cigarettes to vaping.
2: Yeah. And you got off the vape
1: for a while too, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And then started the vape again?
2: No, I actually stopped smoking. Didn't switch to anything, just stopped yeah,
1: that's what I'm and saying. Then, yeah. And then you started vaping.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: And now are you just a <clears throat> is that like a real low nicotine or is that zero nicotine?
2: It's 25 milligrams. Okay. So it's up there. Did you go
0: straight into a nicotine level or did you try no nicotine at first?
2: Mm, into a nicotine. Okay. Yeah, I was puffing on friends' vapes. And that's what... Because, I mean, all in all,
0: what's what's really fucked up about the whole thing is, like, nicotine's what's addictive. Mm -hmm. But nicotine itself isn't isn't bad for you, depending upon where you get it from. You know, it's just... I mean, it's
1: bad for your heart, isn't it? it's, It's a stimulant.
0: But it's not really that. It's not really that bad for you. It's everything else that comes within those cigarettes and all that other shit that's actually bad for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so did one you, thing that you were talking about earlier that I kind of, so one of my kind of self-styled theories that I've come up with is kind of that um, drugs and alcohol, specifically weed for me, is like um, one, one comedian, I think it was Cat Williams had a joke about it, like weed makes you have that fuck it all. Right? That was him? Yeah. Right? And so I think that people turn to drugs and alcohol when they're in situations that they can't change. And it kind of lets them forget about them and accept them. And so you're free from that weight from a little bit. But if you're constantly going back to that and just, you know glazing over it and burying it and burying it and you just keep smoking or you just keep drinking whatever whatever you never really deal with it you never go in and change those things that are bothering you right. and then more shit keeps sliding more shit keeps sliding because you're I think just that's kind of why that's part of the serenity
0: prayer as well
1: yeah yeah that's true but I don't know that That was just something I had been. Connor and on for a
0: while. Yeah. Because I was listening to someone this morning, uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about um, meditation and people, how they always say they can't meditate. And the guy made a pretty solid point. It was like, you're never going to reach your meditative state until you accept all those other things. So when you ignore everything else that's going on in the world and you're sitting there with you and yourself and your brain is constantly running, it's because of unresolved shit. Right. And if you resolve those within yourself, eventually... They were saying, like you like you said, everything's stored in the background. And when you get rid of everything else in the foreground, the background moves forward. And you just start... crying then eventually you'll go through all that shit, whether you have to say it out loud to someone or just deal with it yourself. And then eventually you'll be able to get to a zero
1: sum. Where you well, that's just, like I'm reading this book. Actually, that book that you gave me, um, that Alan Watts. What is it? Intro to meditation or something? Still the mind. Still the mind. But but yeah, it's an intro to meditation. Um, And he's talking about how basically what you want to do is just watch those thoughts. You know, I mean, it's just like as if you're sitting outside and that thought is a bird and you just watch the bird fly up and fly away. You just don't interact with those thoughts. They're still there and they're still popping up. But rather than diving into each individual one, you see it and you acknowledge it for what it is. And you just kind of, you observe it and you say, okay, I'm thinking about that, but doing it from a removed perspective. You know I mean? You don't let yourself, yeah, you don't let yourself get emotionally involved in it and let it overwhelm you. You kind of see it, Acknowledge, okay, this is something that I'm thinking about and let it go. Okay.
2: And through yoga, meditation is much easier as well because when we stretch, especially the really deep tissue, that is releasing the tension and the stress that your body felt when something traumatic happened to you. So, whatever it may be, it could be even an an argument you know, or whatever, once you can reach those points and let it go, and then you start meditating and sit there for a moment, you'll probably have interesting memories or a weird emotion come up. You know, some people start crying at the end of the yoga class because they're feeling so much. And that's why yoga and meditation is very essential for a healthy mind as well. It's not just
0: Did you get, did you, did you get heavy into yoga and meditation after, after you got sober?
2: Before. Before? Like, I became, I was big into yoga before I even started drinking. Okay. Yeah. So, and there was just this period where I wasn't really doing much yoga anymore. And if I was, it wasn't like, it was just because I thought that I should go through the motions, you know, for some reason. And that's when drinking got really heavy and terrible. So, but now, yes, definitely. It's a regular thing that I do, you know. Even if it's just a little bit here and there, that's good. And then...
1: Yeah, we usually try and do every Sunday. Singer lights the fire
2: under my ass to (laughs) get up early on Sundays.
1: That's just because I'm and beat my body up. And so I need it. (laughs) But man, I I don't know. I just, I feel a lot better. I mean, even like in general, not just when I do it, but even just taking the time because really all yoga is 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 a full body stretch. You're literally stretching all of your muscles to their most exaggerated points and nobody does that you know i mean nobody pays that much attention to their physical body typically in the general i don't know working industry most people don't take that time to just sit down clear their mind and actually like feel what their body is telling them From every inch of their toes to every, you know, pore on their scalp. Just like sitting there and and collecting that information from your physical body and evaluating and kind of adjusting and, and treating your physical body as a different thing than your constantly chattering mind what do they call it the monkey mind monkey mind yeah that rules your existence because none of that stuff that you're thinking about is actual reality
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we're sitting here in this room together and it's a very simple reality but in everybody's minds we're all mulling over shit from this week next week and everything in between that we've ever experienced and so, really, meditation is learning to let go of that chattering mind and that that monkey mind. And when they call it the monkey mind, because it's a primal thing, right?
2: And it's, your thoughts jump from one thing to the other. Yeah. As well.
1: So just learning to like sit and accept the world and that present moment exactly as it is, and not in your mind romanticize it or darkly paint it.
2: Yeah, and those thoughts can be coming from not a good place also, mm-hmm. which that's not the reality in the moment. People can drive themselves crazy with their thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and really taking a you know, few deep breaths generally can snap you back into consciousness. But you gotta learn to be able to recognize when you have to take those breaths. And that's another thing that, you know, meditation helps yeah. as well. Knowing you focus, your physical body, yep. feeling
1: the physical signs of tension, releasing your mm-hmm. jaw muscles, releasing your fists, you know, stretching. Even just because you, there are those things when you get under tension that you notice are automatic triggers. And so if you take those and you reverse those, if you sit with your, you know, your legs open, you uncross your arms, you begin to feel the opposite way. You, be, you can calm yourself down. You can calm your body down because your body is having an automatic reaction to that anger mm-hmm. that your monkey mind is producing. So there's a whole system going on that most people are actively overlooking and not communicating with. And when we get involved in our day to day schedules, we generally push it to the side. Yep. I don't know how I became the <laughs> the speaker for this episode. But yeah. It's good though. That Alan Watts book <laughs> It's great, right? Yeah. Coming right back out, regurgitating it.
2: He's a wonderful guy.
1: So with Yoga and meditation
0: could possibly assist a lot of those in, in addiction treatment facilities and whatnot right now. Do you feel it could assist those that are truly got their wiring crossed? Truly, truly deranged individuals.
1: You th- you're you asking if yoga could be a cure for, like, schizophrenia?
0: I don't know if it could be a cure, but it may be a
1: helper. Well, I think it could generally help anyone. I think, like... The, the, it could be a form of treatment itself not not like
0: hey do some yoga every day and you won't kill nobody anymore I
1: think it could help them strengthen their hold on reality by okay. just sitting down and observing you know what's what's real and separating their psychosis their mental from what's actually in front of them
2: I think what would need to happen first before yoga and meditation would actually help somebody is that person needs to find someone who they trust who to basically tell them everything in their life get into a place where they're comfortable where they can recall things that happened in their life which brought on negative feelings which brought on that anger and that fear um just to release anything in their brain that's keeping them from being a sane person. Then once that's out, then yes, yoga and meditation. You got to lay, you got to have the foundation first. You know, then you can start to build upon whatever it is that you're on the way to, mm-hmm. you
1: know. They say generally most psychotherapy is just Listening to people's traumas Mm -hmm. and telling them it's not their fault. Well. I mean, essentially, like, things that are done to you, you know, you're like, there's nothing you could have done to stop it. Yeah. There's nothing that, you know, you could do to change this. Yeah. To change the outcome.
2: Or even, like, talking about a bad argument that you had with your mom when you were seven, Mm -hmm. Anything like that. You know, who did someone, you know, little cousin Johnny stole my toy, and it made me really mad, you know, and I wanted to punch him. Stuff like that, also. And, you know, in that case, then it would be that person looking, basically looking into themselves, and why did they get upset about this person stealing something from them? Or, you know, you must be a just person, and you know, trying to break down, like, their characters themselves, find out who they are. A
1: self-psychoanalysis. Yeah,
2: exactly. Because a lot of times, I think, just understanding what it is that you're going through can make sense of everything. And maybe then you can start to control, like, alcoholism. You know, if you know why you were so obsessed with this thing even though it was literally destroying your life maybe you can wiggle yourself out of it somehow
0: it's a fair position to have yeah i've been quiet for a while letting it flow baby letting it flow
2: <laughs> i not think Where stray jackets we... really work
0: oh you, you'll calm down eventually <laughs> you will calm down
2: create much more trauma oh
0: What's wrong with me? <laughs> I've been in a few. Um, so I don't know. I've never really done like he keeps telling me I need to try yoga. I, I've I've tried some beginner shit. It's got to like most of that shit. I'm like no, nah, that's gonna hurt for real.
1: Well, that's what that's the advantage of doing it in person is that Megan is there to say, well, if you can't do this try moving your knees farther apart. Try moving your Well,
0: I'm talking about like for the most part just because of fucking how, how fucked up my back is. Like, well, that's what I'm saying yeah. is
1: that she can offer you a modified version of that position where you're still stretching that mm-hmm. and and not harming yourself. Ah, uh, okay. You know, what I mean, if you're just watching a video and you're like, dude, there's no fucking way I can get <laughs> into that position. You know, I mean, Megan Megan can uh, say, well, do this instead. It'll stretch the same muscles. And then once you do that, then you can get into this more advanced
2: position.
1: And she can actually take your body and physically put you into the right position. That adjustment, you know, like pulling your hips back, letting your stomach kind of hang so that, you know, or putting your heels towards the ground there's all sorts of little tweaks um you know she says it all the time in practice like you can always relax more there's always something else that you can let go of that tension
0: i'll come out there one time i mean i don't i got nothing else
1: to do i mean there's time. literally i don't there's no reason not to do it um i i was just thinking about it the first time i actually did yoga was in rehab was um, when I was in rehab. Yeah. I always for some reason thought that the first time I did it was um you know when the pedicab group did it. Mm-hmm. But thinking back on it now, I actually did it in um in that rehab that I was in for a month. Good. Yeah, no, and it was it was great. If you can let yourself if you can, you know, let your mind go and and embrace it and kind of accept it and just be into it mm-hmm. it's it's very beneficial and even if you are not fully into it in your mind when you first start like you said getting into those positions and like that getting the what do you call it endorphins and stuff kind of flowing can help you get into that mindset
0: so what if your endorphins and dopamine receptors are broken <laughs>
1: <laughs> it still offers you. Yeah, okay, I mean, it's as, so. There's
0: been minor fucked up. <laughs> minor fucking fucked up. Yeah,
1: fucked up. I mean, as many are. Yeah. But I mean, it's a way to naturally restore them. Okay. what we're saying.
2: It takes time. Like, especially if you've never done yoga before. I mean, before I've done, like,
0: like I said, I've done small stuff here and there. I've, yeah. I looked at beginners. Especially, uh, I got to do it every now and then, especially when I'm on the road because. I spent a lot of time on shitty hotel beds and my back's already fucked up and shitty pillows so I'll wake up and throw something onto YouTube and be like, "All right, let me try this real quick and see if I can loosen up at all so I can get going. Yeah. My shit is normally the first hour of the day and then I get used to it and stop thinking about it. As long as I stay moving, I'm good, but if I sit down for a long period of time, that that resets.
2: (laughs) After a full class, like, there's different sections, different parts of a class, and they're all really essential to have the full experience. So you start warming up, just sitting, you know, getting comfortable in your spot, recognizing That's like your getting surroundings. Your that right. Yeah, and then you slowly move into the poses, and eventually, like a story, you know, you've got your poses that help you prep to get up to. The so it's like it's poses. like.
0: like a class is like basically going through forms yeah yeah I've done like when I did jujitsu years ago it was yeah we started off you know it was basic basic stretching and forms and stuff and some of it were yoga poses Mm -hmm. but I mean I still fucking even back then I wasn't that great at it
2: yeah and you've got like to you want to make sure to hit your closed hip poses your open hip poses your twists your balance poses uh, back Backbend, somewhere in there, and then uh, if you want to, it'd be great if you can get them inverted. Um, and then at the end of the class, you have your shavasana, shavasana or your it's it's corpse pose in Sanskrit. I don't like saying that, but it's where you just lay down, close your eyes and just let your body do its thing for five to ten minutes, you know, and that's really essential, especially like people who work out and Don't take the time to just let their body chill out for a moment and just go right into whatever it is They got to do next they can really do some like pretty bad damage to their muscles and their joints and stuff like that everything's so tight Yeah. but after class a lot of times you don't even realize that you felt bad to begin with because Sometimes you might get like a euphoric feeling, or just feel really good and like yeah, I always feel just like
1: lighter and more energetic, and just I generally have a smile on my face. I'm generally like calm, breathing, which I'm normally pretty anxious. um, Yeah, that smile only lasts
0: for like an hour.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's still an hour more than um that
2: for sure got it
1: on my face.
2: Yeah. And with a with an ad- addicted brain, you know, you can't, there there wouldn't be a chance to do health maintenance, stuff like that, mental health maintenance, mm-hmm. physical maintenance.
1: Because really that's, you know, that's what addiction is, is giving exactly. into that monkey mind pretty mm-hmm.
2: much all the time. That yeah. shattering. As soon as you have a thought of whatever that is you're doing, do, that's gonna
1: happen. Rather than learning how to like turn it off, you're just putting a temporary hush on it. Yeah. Yeah, man. You guys wanna take a smoke break? Yeah, let me
0: smoke a cigarette real quick.
1: Right. <laughs> we'll be back.
0: Yay! Just finished some cancer and we're back. Um, so you were saying, excuse me, you were saying, uh, something about an ego killer?
2: Ego killer. (laughs) Um, well, yeah, so, ego are, like, natural defense, I guess? You know, it's the thing that, like, makes... Our reality so you know you're trying to uphold a certain image and if anything were to somehow compromise that image of yours you try and defend yourself and generally that comes from the ego so like for an addict or an alcoholic it'd be the ego that would say I will be able to drink just one drink, and I'll be fine. I'll go home. It's whatever. But that generally doesn't happen to be the case. You know? So, it's this very strong, like, incorrect ego that's literally just, like, trying to bring you to your impending doom somehow, is what it seems like. Um, that needs to be destroyed. Or it needs to be completely Um deflated somehow. And so when someone hits their rock bottom and their substance abuse, that happens, the moment happens when you say, oh my god, I need help, or whatever, like somebody help me, god help me, whatever. That's the moment when your ego is completely deflated. And then you start to turn to something else to help you, because everything tried is not working because it's all being controlled by the ego you can say I'll only drink on the weekends or if I just stick to wine I'll be just fine like mine I remember when I was first told that I was an alcoholic and my immediate response was well I'm not waking up drinking vodka every morning I'm not an alcoholic Mm -hmm. hello I mean (laughs) yeah yes I was, drinking pretty much every day and blacking out almost every day, you know, like so, I don't know I think if you know, like, do you guys know anybody, do you have any family members or whatever who's could possibly be dealing with drug abuse or alcoholism?
1: Oh, I mean, my my best friend um, from high school is like Constantly on and off heroin and methadone. Um, And I have, you know, since I left, I basically joined the army at 18 and then um, to get out of there because me and him were basically on the same path. We hung out all the time, we took all the same pills and everything. And so I tried to keep up with him, you know what I mean? and like stay on him hit him up ask him how he's doing what's going on stay involved and it was just always such a pain to get a hold of him and he was just always so flaky and then you know I'd go home and see him and he'd tell me that he was all clean and sober and then we'd be hanging out and he'd be like nodding out at like 6.30 in the afternoon And then, you know, I remember we went to dinner one time um, with his girlfriend, and um, I had my girlfriend at the time, she came back with me, um, and we all went to dinner, and he went to the bathroom, and he was taking forever, he was, so kind of had a, an idea something was going on and I fucking went back there and he was fucking trying to shoot up in the goddamn bathroom. Like, at dinner with three other people like nobody was gonna fucking know. So, I don't know, now I just, I see him when I go home and I and I accept, you know, what I can get out of him. You know what I mean? I accept the amount of friendship and, and connection that he's able to give me and I don't really, I try not to you know, judge him, and because every, everybody in his family does that, is is fed up with him. So I feel like the only thing that I can do for him, because I've tried to you know tell him ways to be clean and tried to encourage him and all that stuff. It doesn't it doesn't work until that person wants to be clean. That you know nobody can make that decision for you, and until you make that decision for yourself, you're never gonna be fully clean mm-hmm. so i've i've had to accept the fact that i can't get somebody else clean mm-hmm. you know what i mean i've had to accept the fact that i have to let him do his own thing and that you know if he comes to me without for help then i can help him but other than that all i can do is basically watch
2: yeah
1: and that's been a tough egg to swallow but recently um. I've kind of come to terms with it. That's like the most one that applies to me on a day-to-day basis. Although I don't think about it as much as I used to.
2: You can watch, but I also think like being complete. If if it's someone that you know really, you really care about, mm-hmm. family member or whatever, like be totally honest.
1: Oh, yeah, I have. I've been, you know... you one with them. Yeah, I've been brutally honest. Um, you know, we've had talks where he just fucking breaks out crying. And yeah. then, but, you know, and then I, I'm there for a couple more days and I leave. And then, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, he just goes back into his own ways. So...
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's I've weird.
1: tried that. I've, I've tried everything I know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got out of that treatment program... And I went to counseling you know what I mean I did uh I've done a lot of addiction therapy and and uh, I don't know I've tried everything I've gone to aA done all kinds of stuff like that yeah but I don't know you can't you can uh, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink
2: right it's until that person reaches the point where they're you know, their ego is no longer taking over. Mm-hmm. And that's why you literally, you can't, you know, lead a horse or you can't force them a drink. And it sucks. It can be really difficult watching someone literally destroy their lives and just not being the person that they truly are because they're just, Oh just yeah, absolutely. This thing, you know, it takes a lot of work to get to be the point where you're an addict. It takes a lot of work. Like, we are hard working people. You gotta be hungover every day, you gotta lie to people, you know, you gotta cover your tracks, <laughs> you gotta make sure the stories are straight.
1: You gotta score. <laughs> gotta make money to score, gotta yeah, score.
2: absolutely. You gotta not eat for a while. So it takes just as much work to get out of that and to not be an addict anymore.
1: Yeah, suddenly you have all this time Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that you spent doing things to uh, keep up your addiction before and now you don't know what to do with any of your time. I've dealt with that. Yeah. That's when people have a lot of time to
0: just sit there and dwell and go right back to the drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: That's where you need like a support group of well, so that's funny. why when you
0: said, when I asked you, you know, one of the things we all learn through addiction is you don't really always get rid of addiction. You just deal with it, and then you transfer what you were hardcore addicted on basically onto something else. You know, for a lot of people, a lot of people get into exercise when they get mm-hmm. out of fucking... And just become addicted to running. And yeah, you know,
1: obviously that didn't happen to me. No, no, definitely
0: not you.
2: <laughs> and sometimes you, like, you know, I don't want to be addicted to anything else that I already am addicted to, like caffeine and nicotine. Like, And that's where you learn how to balance your habits and your behavior so you don't have your brain turn to whatever it is to find wholesome and completeness. And you can fill your time with other things as well. You just got to figure out how to continue that release of whatever negative energy that you're having. And, like, I went through AA, and they have those suggestions in there to help get you to the point where you figure out all the BS that you've been storing for a long time. And that's why it's essential if you if someone wants to stay completely off that substance there needs to be someone to talk to. And I really think that that's what it boils down to, is finding the correct individual or groups of people or whatever. Communication's really important, especially for mental health. Yoga and meditation is even better. I think
1: that just allows you to express yourself better, Mm -hmm. allows you the introspection to uh, kind of put what you're feeling into words.
2: Yeah. And then once we start being able to do that, then it's like our, I guess, spiritual connection um, or just energetic connection with people around us is very essential as well. And when someone is a hardcore addict, they isolate themselves. They probably even hate people, you know, like... Anybody who doesn't drink or whatever, they're mad at them or anybody who's ever just made them feel like a bad person, you know, even not meaning to probably have a lot of hatred, you know, if we can somehow figure out how to just not have that hatred and connect to the people around us as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's where a lot of my antisocial behavior has come from, like not being able to communicate with people who have not had addiction issues
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know feeling like judged or you know whatever i think that's where the a lot of my anti behavior comes from or stems from mm-hmm. what do you think Stacey?
0: i don't know because i've never really been i've never been in that situation where i was like fighting over someone else like you know, like like, uh, like you've you never have,
1: been trying to you've never tried to get someone else sober.
0: no I was always the one from back in the day that people were trying to get sober mm-hmm. so I've never really never really had the flip side of that
1: okay so why did you what what made the decision for you what what finally got you off of your hardship
0: I don't know if I want to talk about that on the podcast. Oh, come on.
1: No. <laughs> no, we're going to free this, Stephen, today. No, come I think on, me and you here. have
0: talked Why about not? it before, but that's just like, that's super personal. Oh.
1: Maybe I mean, one day. You, I mean, what are we doing this podcast for? You got to, if you're going to help somebody else, this is your way to help somebody else. Get off, you know, whatever they need. Well, you see, mine was, a dip, I mean, mine was you different. You don't have though. to talk about. Just talk about the process of it, why you decided, and how you went about it.
0: So I basically just, uh, to get away from it all, I basically just moved mm-hmm. and stayed away from that area. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that was how I ended up in Savannah, mm-hmm. was I just moved down here fucking was away from that whole vibe away from all that other shit little did i know that moving down here would not help because that shit's right up the fucking street mm-hmm. <laughs> i wasn't aware of that but i mean it helped i i got off all of that i got off of it and i was clean and started getting my life back in order
1: but i mean what did you what did you translate your addiction to
0: At first, it was just working.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think, I think that's kind of still what I do right now. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always fucking, even as we sit here, I've got my fucking work computer set up <laughs> yep. right here, and I can see everything that goes on. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I just... And then...
1: But that gives you a purpose yeah. as well.
0: But then it was also just like the...
1: I think that's what a lot of addicts need, is a purpose. Because I've never been a, really a way to feel needed. Because addicts feel worthless. Once you instill a sense of of self worth in them, yeah. you know it's much easier for them to uphold uh, a steady. But then, in the same, thing.
0: in the same, in the same breath, I can't, I can completely say that I haven't done meth since then. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a drug free is the way to be kind of guy. Since then, we fucking partied and done a yeah. whole. I just haven't smoked meth in a long time.
1: Not And not on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, well, well, I mean, yeah, okay, I've done Adderall and all that other shit along the way. I remember the first time from being super clean, the first time somebody ever gave me an Adderall, I was still, it was one night at school, and a friend of mine gave me one, and I fucking just waves of feelings and shit came from back in the day, and I was like, yo, don't do not ever give me one of these again. This is a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not sober, as you could tell from our last episode. (laughs) Um, But, and I mean, I have a long history. So, you know, I've been addicted to um, painkillers, as, you know, on top of alcohol and um, uh, benzos, like Xanax and stuff. So, most of my whole high school career, I was taking all three of those in combination. Um, and so I did the same thing. I kind of moved, got into the army. I couldn't do that shit. So then I translated that to drinking. So I just started drinking all the time. And then I started getting pain pills as well. But, um, and there for a while I was sober for like completely stone sober for like a year and a half after that, um, program after that program that I was in. Um, and then one of my buddies died in deployment and I found out and couldn't tell anybody because like somebody told me and you're not allowed to like, if I would have told somebody else, it would have gotten the person who told me in even more trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, so I basically just had to sit around and deal with that. Um, so I started drinking again. Um, and then I don't know. I go through cycles where I, like, do binge drinking, which, um, I used to do it a lot more often, but I haven't taken a pill. I have no desire to take any painkillers or, um, Xanax or anything like that. Even the other day, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast yet, but I fucking completely dislocated my knee, um and put it back into the socket myself, and I basically writhed around in agony for a few hours. And I contemplated finding a pain pill, which I knew I would be able to find if I tried hard enough. Um, but my I have no desire to rekindle that feeling and rekindle that addiction. And so instead I just sat there and fucking took some deep breaths and, and just accepted the pain for uh, however long it lasted um, so that I didn't have to deal with that again.
0: Yeah.
1: I just have... I don't... I And I don't... I guess it's just because I've had such a good family. Like, I don't want to disappoint my family because my family has been so good to me. I'm sure that anybody else that had a shitty family or... You know, it would be hard for them to find a reason to quit. My reason for quitting, you know, is just so that I don't have to disappoint my family because they've been there for me always, so.
0: I'm pretty much right there with you. I made yeah. a promise that I'd never go down that road again. And, I, and even though we've partied, done a bunch of other drugs, a bunch of other shit, a bunch of, we probably should be dead. Mm-hmm. You know, here we are, with severe body problems, but here we are. <laughs> yeah.
1: That we're attempting to fix through
0: yoga. Yeah. We're going to give it a fucking try. You know, with the, it can't get too, well, it can get much worse, but, you know, we got to try something.
2: You have yeah. a will to live, like a will to. I don't know about all that. <laughs> we're we're, working, on that. we're working on that. It. <laughs> yeah. It's At a least, work in progress. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. not dive yourself back into a situation. No,
0: I'm never gonna do that again. Terrible. I'm. I'm. I mean, singer knows. You know, I talk a lot of shit, but if I tell you I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah. And I just. I made those fucking promises and haven't been locked up, haven't gotten any trouble in. Fucking sixteen years. Other than not for lack tickets. of trying. Yeah, not for lack of trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's definitely there's some definitely. Uh, federal offenses in there somewhere, <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, not for lack of trying. But I haven't, you know. Yeah. Now I mean, I'm, I'm at a. I mean, shit, I didn't stop selling drugs till I topped out, became a journeyman. So that was 2012. Nice. Yeah, and then I started making fairly decent money, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> I regret it every fucking day because I need that money. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that money. Oh, I, like, well, true. I don't need that money. You I live. want it. Yeah. I, but I, again,
1: that's an addiction. That's something, yeah. you know what I mean? What would you buy with that money that...
0: I'd just be fucking... Just 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 to fucking erase all the debt right now would be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. If I erased all my debt, I could actually live a lot better. I could actually go out and do shit. Go fucking... Yeah. That's all I want for erase the debt let me start over keep my job keep it pushing that's it
2: so I had this change jar that I would generally buy my PBR tallboys and my um Terrapin recreational tallboys from from the gas station up the street from my house and this jar is pretty big it was like the one of those giant pickle, j- pickle jars uh-huh. and it was $1.87 for the PBR 24 ounce and it was 214 I think for the recreational. And so my jar was pretty much always empty. And now since I hadn't been taking any money from the jar, I have like f- over $400 of money of coins rolled. Oh, you know, yeah. That's like yeah. almost 400 beers <laughs> that I would have drank.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
2: You know? Good shit happens.
1: And it's for well. you know it's that many beers that you kept out of your body. The, mm-hmm. the, the crazy thing is is that every cell in your body regenerates every seven years right So every seven years your body is completely new. Now if you've been putting mm-hmm. beers in your body for the past seven years every day, mm-hmm. you're, you're, there's no way that your that's part of your body now. Your body constantly has alcohol in it, and your body is going to require you to keep up that addiction. You know what I mean? Every cell of your body becomes, you know, attached to alcohol and addicted to alcohol. Hmm. Or, you know, whatever substance, you know, you're taking in. Yeah. And it's crazy that it doesn't take that long to break that addiction cycle. You know what I mean? Comparatively. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's wild if you think about it. Like how long we spend—it's oh stuck in these addictions. And you know, what? It, what do they say? It's like three to four weeks. You know, most physical dependencies are over in three to four weeks, and after yeah. that. Yeah, it's the uh, fifteen days. After that is the real kicker. Yeah. Um. So they did an experiment where they took um, these lab mice, or rats, and they put them in a cage um, with water and cocaine water. Now, in this experiment, um, those rats always just ended up ODing on the cocaine water. And so for a long time, that was one of the bases for the way that we treated addiction was that anybody that has access to cocaine is just gonna do cocaine until they die. Mm -hmm. But somebody later went in and redid that study where they built a utopia for mice, essentially. And when offered the cocaine water and the regular water, in that instance, I can't remember whether they never took the cocaine water or they only took it recreationally, but that none of them overdosed on this cocaine water. Now, obviously, they don't have the same type of baggage and like social hierarchy and that type of stuff. But well, it I goes mean, to show that? that if you have a... If you had, like, a colony
0: of mice that nobody ever fucked with, we just kind of observe them. We, they would still have a social hierarchy. There would
1: still be... But, I mean, I don't think that they would have the emotional trauma okay. that yeah. they ruminate on. T- I don't think they have that ability to
2: cool.
1: kind of beat themselves up over. And okay. I don't think they have, like, an identity like that.
0: Yeah, they're just part of the fucking... Part of the that family, ego. Whatever. They
1: don't have an ego to uphold. They don't have an identity to you know, try to constantly create and keep track of. That makes sense. And that's the other part of that ego is, like, your identity. Like, what you tell yourself that you are. And that is trapping to a lot of people. You know what I mean? They become stuck in these, I'm a a Republican, and that means I have to fall on this side of the fence on Mm -hmm. these issues. Or, you know, I'm whatever i'm a i'm a cop so this is what i do or i'm a i'm a liberal so this is where i you know and they and they trap themselves in these limited titles in order to give themselves some type of meaning or or like set of standards to live by and i think that's completely trapping I don't, exactly. I, I was kind of going to tie that back into something, but I don't remember what it was, where I was going with it.
2: The mice.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I was pretty much yeah. done with the mice. But, anyways, like I said, they don't have, um, yeah, so once you, it's, it's a lot about your situation. You know what I mean? The, there's not a lot of opportunity for people to pursue happiness. In, in modern American culture, it's pretty much you make money, you know. I mean, you spend your money, and you die. And they say, you know, oh, you're supposed to get happiness from you know whatever you're buying. I mean, nobody actually says that, but that's the idea pitched by commercials. Mm-hmm. Really, it's. I
0: ain't oh. never seen a with a frown on their face eating KFC, <laughs> in a commercial. In real life, I. Oh don't. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In real life, I have. I've I've frowned myself. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: was going to say, KFC's not that.
2: (laughs) Not all that. Well, in the society, the way that our society is, is completely unnatural for our brains as Mm -hmm. well. Like, our primal instincts are not being used. And a majority of our primal
0: instincts, we are told that we're supposed to just shove that shit down up in there and behave
2: yourself. Well, there's, yeah, also the fight or flight instincts. We don't ever really use that and that could also be why was, some people having I think it's also the, depression
0: well that I was listening to something and they were talking about how like depending upon what part of the world you live in where there'll be a higher rate of depression where the most industrialized areas on earth you know some parts of Europe and in the in the EU and the United States, We got the most depression but the places like third world countries where shit's really fucking going down all day every day they're in fight or flight they're not depressed they're just trying to live to the next day right Mm -hmm. so it's you know they're
1: too busy thinking about what's actually happening yeah
0: and where they said you know some of the most safest societies ever we don't have those fight or flight responses because somebody may come into the village tomorrow and kill us all we know that's not gonna happen. We're all fairly safe, so now we're picking and choosing. We the all most know that's gonna happen to be upset. Oh, yeah.
1: Unless you're in elementary school.
0: Well if you're in though, no, because they've done it to elementary schools too. <laughs> that's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And they're saying that's part of that's part of the problem with, with the way the world is today. You know, we're we're too fucking safe. Wait staring up. Yeah.
2: And then we have, you know, alcohol advertisements everywhere. And it's completely available for pretty much...
1: Yeah, it's completely tied into our everybody. culture.
2: Yeah. It's just like... It's, I feel like it's not something that can be like... You know...
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't drink as much as I used to. We used to fucking drink drinking. I'm probably... <clears throat> you know, if I'm out and about during the middle of the week and I go out to eat, maybe a beer. Most of the time I'm just drinking sweet tea or water. Yeah. You know, come home on the weekends. Well, I had two beers at your house, four beers, and I was there for six hours yesterday.
2: Yeah. People come to Savannah, you know, to walk around downtown with their uh-huh. open containers.
1: Yeah, that's the craziest thing is like <clears throat> you having to be sober in a city that's completely alcoholics. Yeah, the whole city's funded on alcohol intake essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: When shortly after I first stopped drinking, that was really making me angry, just like noticing how much alcohol just dominated the city. But on the other side of it, there's a lot to do that doesn't involve alcohol, like so much more now that alcohol is not in the picture. Yeah. So it's just getting to that place where I could recognize that this is a lot better mm-hmm.
0: than... Yeah, alcohol and the... And it gets boring so fucking fast. Yeah. Especially this this fucking like. And then you're drinking to
1: stave off the boredom at the event that you went to to not be born It's so fucking.
0: It's Savannah's really gotten stale for me. (laughs) But I don't want to live anywhere else because the property value down here is fucking decent. You know everything is pretty pretty fucking chill. But it's just fucking stale. literally, unless I go out hanging out with you somewhere, I'm pretty much, when I'm home, I'm in the house. I'll find something on Netflix. I'll just, it's just, it's not as fun as it used to be. Mm
1: -hmm. Too old for this shit. Yeah. I think that's more of a mindset change than a statement on the city of Savannah changing, though.
0: It's just gotten stale. It's the same shit over and over and over.
1: Oh.
0: It's the definition of insanity. Why do people keep getting shot in their fights here? You didn't change nothing up. You just opened the doors again. That's all you did. It gets old. Bye-bye, <laughs> um, Club Rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On that note, we usually have our guests weave off with a... I don't know what would you call it it's not usually a quote but just something personal what affirmation would you, yeah, what would you like do you to want to really do a shout out to
0: somebody do you want to tell somebody to go fuck themselves <laughs> whatever you want to do well she's trying to help you
1: yeah,
2: yeah she's giving me some ideas <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know I guess just look out for each other maybe you know be kind to people, because everybody has struggles, and my struggle is not any greater than anybody else's. And so I don't know.
1: I think that's a great quote.
0: Be <laughs> nice, bitches.
1: Be yeah, nice,
2: motherfuckers. motherfuckers. Peace and namaste. Namaste, bitches. <laughs>